You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Good morning. Good morning. I was, uh, I, I was deceived by my alarm this morning. So yeah, I woke up late? Yeah, I think Andy was deceived by his as well. I don't see him around. I thought I was going to be late. Yeah, he's a couple seconds later than normal. Yeah, I know. The guy's been on time pretty good. I always tell those old old radio show things where he would be he would become flying in right at the very end and he couldn't even breathe. And then I would make him talk right away. They get so mad at me. But that's all right. <laughs> How are you doing? Not too shabby. Um, it's a little dreary out again. But uh, other than that, uh, same old, same old in Poland. I actually made uh, an Instagram reel about my review of Biostock so far. So oh, cool. check it out. Yeah, that uh, I think uh, we're going to actually be able to do a show together, I think, pretty soon. I think I, think I got my flight settled to go to uh, Big Warsaw and down to Bialystok. So. Yeah, it'll be a good time. We're coming live from Poland. Aren't you, aren't you really, you wanted to go see the um, concentration camps, right? Yeah, that's what I, I definitely want to do that. Might as well take in a football game, too. You got you got one this weekend, right? Yeah. Well, the one you're coming to will be in the big stadium, the soccer stadium. Oh, maybe Andy might come with. What are uh, what are you two on a different time zone than me, or what? Yeah. Minneapolis, we are, eight o'clock. We're in the uh, one minute thirty seconds Central Standard Time time zone. Ah, mm -hmm. that tricky, 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 tricky. <clears throat> well, Andy's been out. Uh, Telling everyone his secrets at schools and high schools, and that was a high school, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was asked to come in and talk kind of on a career day about uh, about real estate and what is it? Is it a career? Is it a job? Is it a you know? And so you kind of and it like I was telling these kids, I said, you know, hey, it's more of an entrepreneurial spirited position and an educator position. And they go, well, what does that mean? And I go, you have to have enough belief in yourself to go out there and, and you know, create a business. You have to be social enough to where either online or in person or whatever, you got to be able to connect with people. You connect people together. You find what they're looking for. You help educate them. And bada bing, bada boom, you have a, a very nice thriving business. And then you wake up and it's 25, 30 years later and you're like, wow, I'm doing a podcast. Right. No, totally. I was at a networking event this week, and uh, it was really interesting when you're talking about that. There he is. Look at that. Um, I was at a. What, what were you doing? Did you have to wash your hands before you spoke there? No, they they actually put it down in the uh, shop. The so where they do the um, all the they needed space because there was about forty kids, and it was more than a normal classroom could hold. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, I was shocked that you uh, you put the real estate uh, radio hour on the board, so the little kids are well, gonna I'm, listen I'm to you guys. Part, so I was trying to be somewhat relevant. I'm like, check us out, guys! Yo, we're online, <laughs> and they're all did like, you, "Did you produce a TikTok video while you were there?" <laughs> no, actually, there's uh, surprisingly a high amount of uh, restrictions. Um, I could not post any pictures showing any minors' faces. Um, you know, so you. You can do like the photos I picked were very strategic. Hmm. I had tons of cool photos where kids are asking questions and they have their hands out and whatever, but you can't use any of that, you know? So it was a, uh, and, and rightfully so I'm there to educate the kids, not promote my business, but I, they, they do have, you know, do not photograph rules. Yeah. I was talking about interesting when you were talking about, you know, looking at that for a career and I was at a network event with, I mean, from, Agents that had just been in it two months to agents that had been there thirty-seven years, oh, and yeah, it was a, it, it was it was really kind of it was cool to network with a, a bunch of different people and just kind of find out that where they were in their careers. We were on a panel, and I got to talk to a lot of people after the fact, and it was uh, 
it was just interesting. I kind of remember and thought back, you know, that, oh my gosh, I remember when I was sitting out there and wondering if you'd ever, you know, if you'd ever sell more than 10 houses in a year and, and then how, how it happened and how you got there and how it was, it was like they were looking, they thought there was some secret success story that, oh my gosh, I'll do it and do this. And I'm like, you know, I just, it just worked. <laughs> and uh, I just worked, you work hard and, and eventually, you know, people trust you and then trust you with their friends and, and call sure. you back. But. Well, there, there's that. And then you, you wonder like, well, why do some teams get bigger than other teams? And there's, you know, people call it scaling your business, right? So what, to what level do you want to grow your actual business to? And it's interesting to hear that, that answer, because, you know, are you scaling it because you want to help more people? Are you scaling it so you can buy yourself a new fancy car? I mean, what's your goal? Are you trying to retire early, pay off your own personal debts? I mean, so to me, what's funny though, big teams don't mean big profits. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize that until they're into it. And just because you have a team doesn't mean that it makes money. Sometimes the cost to attract people to want to be on your team, what you have to give them to make the sacrifice to join the team uh, is not worth the reward or they don't produce enough to make it worth the reward. Or once they get on your team, if they're really, really good, they think they're better than you. And then they all of a sudden graduate to going back onto their own because you've kind of helped them on a stepping stone, if you will. And so it's a, it's a really an interesting business. Um, I find, and then all of that's being conducted underneath a broker, um, which, you know, a lot of people, you know, like, expect, well, they were 16 to 18 year old kids, but they didn't understand the structure of how that worked. And so I was trying to explain how it's like an umbrella and there's all these agents underneath it. And, you know, but. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's, I think what agents have to realize too, is you got to do what you're good at. You know, some people will maybe try to be a team but you're not, that's not what you are. There's some agents out there that that's what they should be. They're more manager type. And I think that's what you, um, if, if you're not a manager type and you have a team, you got to have some management in place. Um, or if you're a, uh, they call it a rainmaker, you know, you're the one that, you know, gets deals or you have a lead system or something, um, or you're able to teach, you know, and, te and teach your people. The, the team thing for me, um, was never super exciting just because I would get so frustrated um, that they they wouldn't do what, I mean, come on, this is not hard. I mean, all you got to do is this or, you know, learn this or learn this. And I, I'm going to do my uh, little Andy's analogy thing, but it's kind of like from a realtor, if you're, if you're working your way up, you're kind of like the backup quarterback mm -hmm. and you're sitting there. And if you just sit there and kind of take it in and, oh my gosh, Nick's never going to get hurt. I'll never get to play, but I'll tell you what, when Nick does get hurt and I get the chance to get in there, I got to know what the heck I'm doing. And that's what I think realtors don't do. They don't study. They think that, Hey, well, well, once I get the deal, then I'll learn how to do it. You can't do that. Well, and I think, I think part of that plays into Chris too, is, you know, a lot, unfortunately, a lot of people now with technology and everything else have zero, uh, you know, they have, they, they can't wait for any kind of gratification. It's got to be immediate. Yeah. And, and if it's not right now, I'm not going to do it. Or if this app isn't perfect, I'm going to go to another app. And so the idea there that a good old fashioned, you know, building a business is like building a house. You, you, you pick the lot, you dig the hole, you put the footings down, you put the foundation in. And all of that matters because at the end of the day, if you don't, you know, take it step by step and grow your business properly, what will happen is the whole thing comes down and, and, you, and you fail. And that's why I think, my gosh, what, Chris, what is the, the national or in the Twin Cities, we have just about 20,000 real estate agents, I think, right? Yeah. And it was uh, some staggering number, like 12,000 of those agents didn't even sell one house this year. Yeah. And and so it's it's very, I think everybody's glamorized with the, because they see it like the kids did at this classroom I was at. They're like, is it just like on TV where you just walk in and you meet famous people and you sell million dollar houses? And, and I said, absolutely not. I said, it's kind of the opposite. I go, especially here, you get into a nice town like Anoka. I said, you're usually meeting, you know, uh, your my typical customers, a husband and a wife. Um, they're getting ready to retire. They want to move to the lake. Um, they want to sell their, you know, 1,200 square foot Rambler. It's worth 300, 310,000. And, uh, and then you negotiate your commission rates. And I said, you talk about how much marketing you're going to do for that. Show them how you can do a better job than anybody else in town. And, and they're like, well, it sounds like you have to do a lot of work. And I go, every step of the process is work. 
So if you're not a worker, I said, man, you're, you're not right for this business because this business is a, you got to put the effort in. You've got to, you know, put the windshield time in with the customers and meaning, you know, you have to invest your time to make sure they understand what you offer for value. And anyway, long story short, I, I just think that there's, you know, just like, you know, a lot of, there's a low barrier to entry into real estate. That That's the part that I actually have really, you, you like it when you need it. But when you sit back as an industry person that's been around a while, you also kind of wish there was a little bit more of a bar to get into the business. I mean, sitting down and taking three weeks, four weeks worth of classes, passing a couple of tests, and all of a sudden, you know, you can help people making the biggest decisions of their lives. And it, you know, under the supervision of a broker, but it still baffles me that we're allowed to do that with that little amount of training. Well, we know why. Because the more they have, the more fees they get. But anyways, we're all we're all equal in, in paying the fees. I wanted to say, too, I mean, we're, we're stepping into a, a market that is changing. There's no question yeah. um, the, the change has begun. Uh, you know, people are kind of getting hit with the interest rates and understanding that. Also, that there's still not a lot of houses and people are a little scared and like, I don't want to pay a ton over. And uh, but I'll tell you what, we just got an offer done the other day. We only paid full price. It was awesome, you know, and we're able to get an inspection. So in a way, I hope it just does come back to that. I mean, you know, your exceptional houses are still getting multiple offers and getting driven up. And when there's low, super low inventory in those areas, people are still wanting to get them because they just keep thinking the interest rates are going to rise. But um, right. the other thing is, I think people need to learn is that there's some interesting um, programs out there and what uh, banks and or mortgage companies are doing to get the rates pretty good. Uh, so, I mean, if you still, if you have good credit, you have a nice down payment, you can still get some good rates better than what they're, what they're saying, at least I I've been seeing it. So. Agreed. And I, you know, I think the one thing we were, you know, I've been talking about this. I feel like I've all week long talking with different people, the market's changing, right? The, the temperature in the hot tub has gone from 102 down to hundred degrees, you know, and it feels different. It feels cooler. Oh my gosh. Let's, let's, you know, panic, panic, panic. Right. And it's, it's one of those things where you just got to understand that sometimes markets just change. They can't stay hot forever. Look at stock market. Look at whatever. I mean, you know, look at Bitcoin. Look at whatever. I mean, things go up and things go down. Um, currently, right now, the biggest problem you guys have, the naysayers that are out there that think houses are going to go down 20 or 30%. I, I ask you, who, who do you know right now that actually owns a house that would sell their house at a 30% discount? Yeah. Right. Uh, by the way, they also have a three percent, three and a quarter percent interest rate. So they have rent that or uh, rent would be twice as expensive as owning a house. I mean, their their payments are so low. It's unbelievable. You know, and think about this, too. You know, Chris, the uh, it, well, Nick, too. Uh, you know, the when you have people getting an interest rate of three percent, three and a half percent. Do you think those people have horrible credit or do you think they have the best credit possible? Great. If you were a lender, would you lend somebody basically free money? If they weren't anything other than stellar on their credit. Nope. So, so the top of the market, the, the people with the best credit have secured the lowest cost financing in the history of America, you know, in theory, they're locked in and they're not going to go anywhere. They're not going to get rid of those payments. They're going to keep those loans longer than any other generation has kept their mortgages because the payments are so low on those houses, which makes the pricing irrelevant because the cost to live there is so cheap. So when people say, oh, the market's going to go down 30%, I don't know how. Who, who's going to sell their house for 30% less? And even if a bank repos a property back, banks don't repo properties back and take a loss. The bank takes that property back, fixes the house up, and makes a fat profit. Right? And, yeah. and it's just a simple supply and demand game. So I think to, to answer the what's happening in the market, the, the tight supply is still the tightest we've seen. It's actually like 21% tighter than it was last year at this time. And some houses are starting to come on the market day by day. You read the week by week charts. It's getting better for more um, stuff coming. But what's happening is people are getting scared. They don't know where they're going to go. So they're hesitating on selling their houses. Yeah. I mean, I have, Chris, how many people do you have that are sitting there on the sidelines thinking about it? They're almost going to do it. They're ready to do it, but they need to find where they're going first. And they know there's nothing out there. So it's holding them back from even releasing their house to sell. I, I don't even know how many, but there's a lot. <laughs> and they've been piling up for the last two years. And oh, I bet you I got over and, 30. Yeah, I'm not joking yeah. with you. I bet you have 30 clients right now that if the market flipped and boom, boom, right circumstances, I could have houses on the market like crazy, you know, and all I mean, price ranges too. 
you know, with that same theory that you're talking about, Andy, about people having great rates and, you know, why would you switch that? You have this equity in it and you switch that over to a 5% rate versus a 3% rate. Uh, I kind of did a little analysis and I actually went back to some of those people that have been on the sidelines. And I, and I just said that if you look at this, I mean, one of the, I mean, we, we talk about how's availability for housing to buy and to purchase and owner occupy is low. You should see the availability of rentals. <laughs> that's that's not available, and those prices are going sky high. So why not? Let's hang on to your house, and we'll just go buy a different one. And with the difference in that you're going to get in rent, you can take that payment and put it towards that five percent rate. And so you're not really going up. Historically, is Chris is five percent a high interest rate? No. You'd Not at all. Happy as 5% all, right? is a fantastic interest rate. Actually, better than what most people deserve. But what, here's one thing I'll say, and I, I know you guys want me to keep moving, and I, I'm dragging out the same topic, but it's it's worthy of talking about. People that are renting right now are feeling so much pain on their pocketbooks. They're getting squeezed so hard that those landlords are taking every penny they possibly can out of their pockets, raising rents, and they can't build them fast enough. Okay? So now what happens when interest rates go up? It, good news for renters. So if somebody doesn't have perfect credit or they're new to a job and they're a renter and all of a sudden they go, wow, rent keeps going up. Now I'm paying $2,700 a month for a two bedroom apartment and I can go buy a three bedroom house and be at $1,400 a month. I, I got to be honest with you. When rates go up, more people become eligible to buy because they don't have to have perfect credit. So now the people coming to the marketplace are the people that have good credit, but not perfect credit. You got a whole new group of buyers that want to buy houses now. And I, so I don't know. I think the demand thing is going to stay on, guys. I don't. I don't think we're going to have any kind of an issue with housing. I think our issues with the economy and inflation, but not with housing. So we're still going to live. This is good. Well, I'm, I'm not trying I'm to say that because I'm going to bread. Bread. Two, and 2007, milk. our housing industry took the economy down. That's not what's happening right now. Even though people are like feeling like it's the same thing, it's not even close. That's true. Cool. Uh, before we get into our, our meme reacts i want you guys to check out this uh video i found on the creation of suburbs so you guys both work in the the minnesota suburbs so here you go five years ago this was a vast checkerboard of potato farms on new york's long island today a community of sixty thousand persons living in fifteen thousand homes all built by one firm this is levittown one of the most remarkable housing developments ever conceived the idea that came to a man named Bill Levitt was this. Why not apply to the building of houses the same principles that have brought other American industries to their unexcelled peaks of efficiency and service? Why not mass produce the elements that go to make up a house just as the auto industry does with the parts that go into a new car? Bill Levitt had some other ideas. Put kitchen and bathroom back to back and let them share the same plumbing. Let your plumbers do their work without interruption and without waiting for the carpenter or the bricklayer to get out of the way. Pre-cut your lumber so it's all ready to be assembled into the frame of a house. With the waste removed, one truck can deliver to the building site all the rough lumber that will go into two complete Levitt homes. That's, I mean, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, to think, I mean, everyone talks about technology and where we're at. I mean, we have cars that drive themselves now. You know, and then thinking back and forth and, oh, gosh, you know what? It would be really makes a lot more sense to be able to put your bathroom back to back with your kitchen so your plumbing materials aren't as much. And um, it's interesting. The other thing is, and I was waiting for him to say it, I mean, suburbs were, were made once uh, transportation became available. There you and go. A lot less money um, for, for land, and they were able to build out there a little more privacy. But they all still had to get into the city to work. Now it's really changing, you know? Well, think about it. I mean, if you really look at the math, I mean, people would migrate here and they would either become farmers or city people. And there really wasn't such a thing as suburbs. And because suburbs are car dependent, you know, a lot of times. So, you know, you have to drive everywhere you go. You depend on your car to go see your friends, to go get groceries, to go to work. And so all of a sudden some, you know, there used to be theories about how suburbs were pushed by, you know, the oil companies back in the day so they could sell more cars and have more people dependent on oil and, you know, it gets to the point of where this, so it's just, you know, you get a kid that moves in from the farm to the city, probably appreciates having a little bit of space, you know? And so I think there was a little bit of that going on too back in the day, but now 
we're, you know, as, as third generation, fourth generation suburb people, you're just used to what you're used to. So we're used to having a yard. We're used to having, you know, conveniences of being in a city, but having more space. And it just, it's a, it's an expensive, exhausting source resources, you know, uh, with gas and with oil and all these other things that have to keep spreading and sprawling as the, this, you know, uh, keeps going out. It, it, yeah, it's taxing on, on everything. So yeah, I'm what. part of it. I'm part of that growth. I, I've made a living doing it and, you know, cause I, I, I don't tell people what to do. I follow what they ask me to do. And right now that's still what people are asking for is they want, you know, nice houses that are safe and good school districts and they want a little space so their kids will go outside and play instead of staying inside with all the screen time they get nowadays. And so. Good boy. Nice job. All right. What's next? Little Nick. Little Nick. Tips on saving gas for agents. Make sure. Wow. Look at this. We, we're giving tips even, Andy. Make sure your tires are properly inflated. Oh, we got to take the stuff out of the trunk. I mean, that's like a storage room for me. And then ask if you're getting their uh, listing before driving over. Wow. That, that, uh, that's kind of bold. or And it kind of makes, you know what? I'm trying to save the environment. Is there a chance that you're going to be listing today? I mean, we could, you can use that excuse to be able to get in. I kind of like it. Yeah, we I mean, if that motivates somebody, sure. I think it's a great idea. And during uh, COVID, we we learned the art of Zoom. Everyone's used to it. Um, I still have meetings on Zoom a lot. I, I it, It's just, it became so efficient. And it was so nice in which to be able to do rather than driving all the way to, you know, but I liked meeting in person as well. But I mean, if it's a, a follow-up meeting and just say that, hey, you know what, we've already talked and it's time to go on the market. Let's set up a, a Zoom call. We're going to talk about everything that we need to have uh, done. And here's what's going to happen. And here's what the market looks like right now. And you can pull it up right in front of them and have it as a screen share the whole time. Mm -hmm. And I think it just is, uh, it, it's a it's a good way of doing things. It really is. And it's, and it's good for them too. They don't have to, you know, uh, clean their dinner dishes up or whatever. They can just step away and, and have that discussion. So, yeah. Hey, do I look kind of tan on here? You, you, uh, yeah, either that or proper lighting. Well, it might be that. Okay. So we got a guy in a little bubble suit here. What is it? When the media is talking about monkey pox, but you just bought a sales course for $3.99 that has a chapter on door knocking. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness I don't listen to that news. I'll tell you that. I, I pick what I listen to. And so now there's another one, monkey pox. Um, you know what, though? I tell you, Chris, It. I think that that meme, too, is kind of making fun of the um, once you become a real estate agent, everybody tries to get you to spend money on new training and a new widget and a magic pill and a silver bullet. And, a you know, this is what you need to become successful. And they're preying on the fact that people are just straight up lazy and and they're looking for that easy fix. I mean, I look at even some of the brokerage models right now are designed and set up just off preying off other agents and multi-level marketing style stuff. And it's it's not that it's wrong. It's just it's just different. I mean, it's just it's it, it, I just I don't know. Just work hard. Let's try that. And then we'll see how good you are in a year. Yeah. Yeah. I it was at that at the networking event. Um, we we're talking about there's someone I was talking to that was a door knocker. And I'm like, seriously, if I would if I would have had to knock on doors, I would not be in real estate. I, I, I wouldn't have been in real estate. I, I sure. couldn't do it. And that person is super comfortable with it. Not, not a problem whatsoever. And because I think for me, it was kind of like the fear of, you know, shooting you off their property, get get the heck out of here. And uh, they're like, no, everyone's super friendly. You know, sometimes they don't have time. And then yesterday I got home and I'm sitting kind of around the corner where you can't see me from the door. And someone knocked and my wife went and answered the door. And I, I was listening to this guy and he was trying to sell, um, like, get the bugs. We live on a lake and so get the spiders and have this treatment and stuff. And um, she was like, oh, okay, well, I'm not sure. And then he would add something else. and add, But he was, he was friendly enough. But by the end, I mean, he had her there for 15 minutes. And she almost just did it just because. And, but it was really interesting. And he wasn't there, a there was a guy. 
No, that, I mean, some of these door to door people are, are unbelievable. And I, yeah. a couple of years ago, it was probably 10 years ago, there was a, a guy that would come around and he had this big, you know, picture on the side of his truck of a, you know, a deer, or I mean, uh, uh, cow horns. And it said something about, you know, Texas certified Angus steak. And they knock on the door and they're like, oh, hey, we're, we just were in the area. We sold a bunch of stuff wholesale. We got half a truck full of stuff we're going to sell to you. Um, if you want it, we got a deal. You're buying restaurant quality stuff. And, and I looked at the guy and I go, well, I, I kind of want to buy better than restaurant quality. I mean, why, you know, you, you know, and he didn't know what to say to me. He goes, I got to be honest with you, sir. He goes, I've been practicing for three years, talking to people every day. And he goes, I have an answer to everything you're going to throw at me right now. I've never had anybody say that they want better than restaurant quality. <laughs> and he starts laughing. Well, th these guys are artists. They, they went to our neighbors and she goes, I don't have room in my freezer. He says, if I can move the items around in your freezer for you, you give me permission, I'll make all this fit in your freezer. Yeah. And they're like, and she goes, sure. So she bought one of these quarter beefs or whatever it was. By God, this guy went in there, reorganized her whole freezer, made everything fit. And then he put little labels on it for her, showing her work. Well, she spent 500 some dollars on back then. Now it's probably more than that. But I mean, yeah. it was $500 that guy made selling door to door. And this stuff was okay. You know, she was happy with it. But I mean, it's interesting how, you know, catching people at the right time when they're ready you know, like dinner time, perfect time to hit people with, you know, things about food or whatever, right? Or yeah. stop. We, we went from uh, door knocking to stocking freezers. This is pretty Yeah, good. but it's all part of the service, right? It's like for that person to be successful door knocking, they, you know what, let me do this. Let me give you a quick sample spray on your front porch. And if the bugs are not gone, you don't have to call me. But if they are gone, and you want me to do the rest of the house, call me back and I'll give you a coupon. And something like that. And all of a sudden they go, wow, you know. I'll tell you what, the other, the, the one thing about the door knocking, if you're going to do it, you better be prepared exactly for like an Andy, because you, that you have, you're much more on stage that way. You're, I mean, you can be very much exposed. So if you're door knocking, you better know about that neighborhood. You better know about yeah. real estate. And so, and I, I'm, this girl was very confident in what she was talking about. So it gives you the ability to go do that rather than hide behind an email. Well, think, think about this. So Chris, you, you finally get a listing, you're a brand new agent, you get a listing in a great neighborhood. And you don't know how to like connect with the people in that area. And you have time. You have tons of time. Um, you only got one sale under your belt. You have the time to go around and shake people's hands, introduce yourself, hand them a card saying, hey, I just sold the house down the street. I can't tell you the details right now, but why don't, if you're interested, email me and I'll send you an email and tell you all the details of what happened with that sale. And, you know, if you guys want a market analysis or I have a neighborhood report that I can leave behind, shows you everything that sells and what it sells for. You know, something you're adding value, right? As, as right. they say, but the thing is, is this, I, I today don't have the time to go, you know, when I'm listing four or five houses, sometimes, you know, in a month and then, you know, or more sometimes even you, you don't have the time to give that extra touch. So it is a great activity for a newer agent to the business or somebody that has low um, inventory or doesn't, it has a lot of time and not a lot of money. Door knocking is a great way to introduce yourself as long as you do it politely. Yep. You know, I you know, I used to do when I started, I did a I'd give a pen and I'd say I'd literally hand him a pen. I'd be like, hey, I go, Here, here's my Andy Prasky pen. You ever want to write a deal? Let me know. Hey, hey, you know, and I was doing that kind of stuff and they'd laugh at you. And and I, I but I have people 10 years later that said that pen was great. <laughs> you got to have good pens. Yeah. All right. That's, sorry, Nick. That's my pens. They, oh, where is it? You got to write good on these pens. I'm telling you. That's correct. All right. So who's your role model? Ryan Sirhan, Tom Ferry. Uh, me. Said nobody. Oh, boy. What's this? Atlanta's top selling real estate agent lives in Florida. He hasn't set foot in Georgia for two years, and he has sees no reason why he should. Wow. So he was just buying. He was buying homes for big investors. I mean, everything was online, just trying to make numbers work. That's kind of interesting. I think that's when you talk about a team, too. That's another way that some people can do that. Um, something that I'm kind of considering too, as I want to kind of get away and do more other things, use the, all the systems and everything that we've put into place and um, do marketing from Florida if I want to. So Sure. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think as long as you use complete transparency and let your clients know that you're managing things from afar, um, but you have local presence with your local people there to help with inspections, you still do the negotiating, all the marketing, all the whatever, 
I think that that could be a very successful business model. Yeah, there's there's a top uh, realtor that uh, spends three months of a very busy season here in Minnesota in Florida and uh, totally upfront about it and does it and works his butt off um, from afar, but he, he enjoys it. And there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with that. He works harder than most. He's got a good team, though, too. Yeah, he does. So, Okay. Awesome. Hey, we're going to go into everyone's favorite segment, the social media reacts, and it is brought to you by Andy Prasky, Preferred Home Team. Well, they said I could have 30 seconds on the show for a quick ad. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus, Andy at Prasky.com if you want to email us. Here's the thing, 22 years in the business, over 1,400 sales. I'd like to help you with your real estate needs. If that's buying, if that's selling, if that's building, whatever it is, give us a call, send us an email. Let's get you started on your real estate journey. I'd like to help you on the way. Uh, lots of experience here, and I uh, would like to put it to work for you. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus. Thanks for listening to the show. I just love that, the car thing. You better give me some fucking snacks before I beat your ass. If you do, you're not going to get big ass. But if you don't, ooh, bitch, you're going to fucking get it. Oh, gee. Uh, I guess we forgot to hit the uh, bleep button. <laughs> no, you can do that on, on internet, I guess. That's that's legal, Andy. But anyways. So was um, I, I was so confused by the kid swearing, the guy swearing, that I didn't really listen to what he was doing. <laughs> it was just a... I mean, we have a little kid body with a head, and then that's that the leg. Yeah. What the if hell? If you don't give me snacks, I'm going to beat you. Yeah. <laughs> I've used different it's, words to get that okay. same result. Well, but yeah. I, I am going to talk about this one because um, you do, you two kind of get some uh, some liberties that happen in open houses sometimes where the parents think that they can go off and do their thing and that you have to watch their kids. And some of those kids are freaking crazy and they're grabbing stuff and you're kind of trying to stop them. Um, I'll tell you what, if you ever want to bring your kids to an open house and, and let them enjoy it, bring them to a Andy Prasky open house. He will, yeah. he'll go play with them on the jungle gym and he'll climb trees with them, do everything. <laughs> the, yeah, you know, the funniest, the funniest open house story I've ever had. I was, I had that, I had that family in my model. And they're just kids are jumping around and eating the candy and opening the fridge and slamming the doors. And the parents are just standing there like, so how much is the house? Uh, is it available for sale? And, and the kids are like breaking things. And I go, oh, you guys should go check out the bedrooms. Go see which one you want. And they're like, well, you shouldn't send them up there without us. Cause and I go, well, what are you doing with them? I mean, you're letting them break stuff in front of your face. So these kids go, yeah. And they run up the stairs. They run down the hallways. And all of a sudden you hear, Boom. <laughs> he jumped on a on a, a plywood bed. He ran and he dove and jumped on the top of a big plywood fake bed. Claps. <laughs> I started laughing so hard, and the parents go, "Oh my god!" And they ran up the stairs. And I said, "Oh yeah." I said, "I should have told you, kids, that those aren't real beds." And they all like have bruised foreheads from diving face first. Oh my god! Oh, that was so gratifying, though. Those little brats. Yeah, sometimes you want to just you want to shake them, just get them, but you can't. So, so that that me might not be so bad or whatever this is. Social media. The new listing just sold in the Pinery Timbers community. Congratulations to my sellers! Yeah, incredible traveling. <laughs> wow. wow. First of all, I hope he doesn't have a heart attack. I mean, he was out of breath there. Um, I got a feeling that's what you and I would look like jumping on a trampoline. Chris. I, I think that's maybe why someone played it. I, I, have, a, I have a sneaky suspicion. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't – I'm still, I'm still uh, like, producing and, and going to direct your TikToks, Andy. Yeah. And I, that's not one I would have you do. Unless you, you know, gotta, I think you could do the same thing and have the agent talking, and you could hear the like the trampoline in the background going boink boink boink. You look over to the kid and say, "What's your favorite part of the house? The in-ground trampoline or something?" You know, and have it. Yeah. It's a lifestyle type thing. That was kind of fun. I still don't under quite a hundred percent understand the self-deprecating humor that some of these agents use, and 
I don't know. I get that might be a generational thing being a Gen Xer that I don't, I don't usually, you know, think that way, but I, with a customer anyway. Yeah. That's super popular. That self uh, yeah. deprecating humor. And it is, it's weird in our generation and millennials. Yeah. It's easier to make fun of yourself and that's what they concentrate on rather than all your other blemishes that you have. Just saying. Right. And then you and I are trying to make perfect videos where we hit all of our points. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God we have Nick editing these on those other things. Otherwise, hey, Chris, I'll say to you, just like I said to everybody else, there's just as many Gen Xers and, you know, and uh, baby boomers that watch videos and they will appreciate us. Oh, so good. 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 That thing is awesome. Those stairs going up, like right by the window. I don't, that window has to be tempered, by the way. You can't get away yeah. with that. But the drawers in there, I, I think that's super cool. Yeah. They need a little sure. TV area. And I mean, you can make some, create some cute little room um, that way. That would be a great way in which to be I'm able to. That. That's a lot of the stuff I click on Instagram. You know, I, I like that where they show like clever, small, tiny house, like, things like that. Um, I, I keep thinking of, you know, you build a cabin and you want to have a bunkhouse or, you know, a bunch of bunk beds and do something cool like that where you can have, you know, two different or three, four sets of bunk beds with stairs going up and, you know, little TV areas or video game areas or whatever and come up with something kind of cool so that, you know, yeah, keep the grandkids coming up or whatever, you know. Yeah. It would be fun cool. for a VRBO too. I mean, people would rent it just because of that room. Yeah, Totally. Hey, good one. So you're telling me we did all that just to become strangers again? Damn. That's Hannah. That's Hannah Smith. She's. Uh, I, I saw her at that event the other night. She's a, she's a big, video, big video person, but uh, comes up with some pretty clever things. But what she's saying there is it's true. I mean, we're we're like tied to the hip with these people. And then all of a sudden it closes, and then you kind of, kind of go off in, into your separate ways. Well, remember, what are the stats on that? Like eighty-nine percent of the people that used a real estate agent would use the same agent again, but less than fifty percent of the people could even tell you their name. Yeah, yeah. It was it's pretty crazy stats. So real estate agents that are watching this, uh, a little bit of follow up goes a long ways, and having people where you swing by and say hi and. Once people have moved in and you drop off a little basket, you know, kind of something nice once the dust is all settled and, uh, you know, the boxes are put away and and uh, and then keeping in touch with people. I think client events are another great way to do that where over the years you just, you know, invite people out, do something kind of fun, keep in front of people and they'll gladly refer you if they know who you are. Yeah, if they, if they remember you. I know you you do a really good one where you do that movie thing. You just invite yeah. everyone. And even if they don't come, they they – they know it that they were invited and they can come and maybe the following year or the next year or whatever. But when your name comes up for a real family, estate, a family, uh, a family photo shoot one that went really well too, you know, where they, we had everybody out and then you'd have 15 minutes with the photographer and they'd take a bunch of, and it was great because even with COVID, this was last year we did that or the year before. And you could sit there and talk with people at a distance. And it was really nice to catch up because everybody really could use that at that time, social interaction but yeah, they were all by themselves, their family out in the woods or out in the, uh, you know, the uh, was a sunflower patch or whatever it was and taking their pictures with the photographer. And, you know, some people brought their dogs and dressed up their dogs and it was, it was fun. Anyway. Okay. Hey, this next one, this next one is just to give some good vibes. I know Andy, you were talking about how you were talking to the kids and all of a sudden 20, 30 years went by in real estate and Chris, you were at the networking event and, and uh, you said similar things. You remember being on the other side. So here's a quote for everyone to uh, um, go live.
I know that does. That makes you sad because it's it's true. I mean, that is true. Yeah. Nick, read that what it's a what that quote was for the radio listeners, podcast listeners. It was that Mark Twain quote about um, damn, about gotta, twenty years. You are twenty years looking back. Yeah, you're, yeah, not, gonna, you're gonna remember the things you didn't do versus the things you are gonna do. And yeah. um, by the way, the wonderful song too. By the way, that's the key. Yeah. Somewhere only, I remember hearing that song. It was on um, American Idol. Someone saying that. I'm like, what is that yeah. song? I love that song. And then yeah. I found it, but never heard it on the normal stuff. But it is true. I you tell you, don't be afraid to do these things now. Um, I think you you get caught up in in life, and I mean, from even from a real estate point, it's just a, you you're so worried about I don't know you're you're worried about no a lot, and you can't be afraid of that because sometimes um, I know I was I was a big one that I never wanted to get turned down, so I would maybe shy away from things, and maybe that's the door knocking thing. I would shy away from it rather than do it. Then after a while, you're like. Well, what the heck? Just do it. And it works. It's crazy. And my whole thing was, I remember when, and it was Nick who was turned five years old and I came an hour and a half late to his birthday party. And, uh, and I felt like the biggest loser in the world. And everyone else looked at me like it was no big deal because we were all in real estate and that's just what you do. You run with the client. I said, no, no more. That's never going to happen again. My kids go on my schedule first. And then um, I tried to fake it. You know, like, oh, I have another appointment. And then someone caught me at Dairy Queen after a game with him. So well, I thought you had an appointment. I'm like, then I stopped lying and just told him, hey, you know what? My kid's got a game. I can meet with you at 7 or we can do it at 9 a.m. the next day. Which one do you want to do? And they loved it. People loved mm -hmm. it. But, I mean, for years I was, like, missing my, my things I wanted to be at because I had to be there for them every second of the day. No. And you made it, didn't you? I'm dead. You did. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's the thing I think we all fear is that that, that not being available 24-7 mm -hmm. and and they that if I'm not, somebody else will do it. And and there are, don't get me wrong. There are times where if you can't do something for a client when they need it, I totally understand the fact that they're going to go somewhere else. On the other hand, you know, looking back when you're at like, like this kind of song and the whole cliche here is going, you, you look back and you're not going to remember, God, I, I made that appointment. I got that deal. You're going to think about who you, you know, like you said, the things that you missed, right? The places you didn't go, the meetings that you, you know, the birthday parties that you didn't go to. So anyway, long story short is this. We're in a business that's retail driven and you have to have that retail mindset. You have to work when people are not working their regular jobs. But then again, like when you see Andy Prasky up at the cabin on a Tuesday, having a great time fishing or jet skiing, you know, don't get mad at me, you know, because it's like, oh, they never work those real estate agents. No, we're not working when, you know, you are. You know, that's when, when you're busy, we're, we're relaxing. And when you're available, we're available. So a lot of times, you know, it's like I said, it's a balance. But I'd, I'd end with this. Um, I think that's also reemphasizing why having support, um, either administrative support or another agent that works with you directly, where when those opportunities <clears throat> my client sees are, are available and we're not, that team member or that assistant or the whatever can still fulfill the customer's needs. And, and that, I think, is completely acceptable. I guess I'm not the customer, but I. No, I you're, right. you're right on. You're right on. So. Okay. We're going to answer some uh, Reddit questions, but before that, this uh, segment is going to be brought to you by Chris Rudy Home Experts. I was just one years old when my family started in real estate, where both my parents were agents. They also dabbled in investing in real estate, rentals, flips, and construction. After college, I went right into getting my license in July of 1990. As a 23-year-old agent in an industry that looks nothing like today, I had to know more for my clients to choose me. There wasn't Zillow or social media to tell them how good I was. I had to win them over with knowledge. With knowledge comes confidence, and with confidence comes results. I like that one. Okay. So this person almost bought a house going over the neighbor's property line. Full cash deal. Closing was set for Friday. 
no surveys were available. So requested extension. He wasn't going to close without one. Now, a lot of times what we do is we close with what is just a, a plat drawing um, that they they come, the title company looks at it and, and, and eyes it out and make sure it's not on there. Um, let me finish that. So, however, the buyer conveniently provided a survey if I paid 350 which clearly notes and shows the house is going into the neighbor's property line. Oh my gosh, you got to disclose that. They did not disclose it even though they had the survey before I offered. I was shocked the seller's realtor didn't even mention this. My agent called me and said, obviously the deal is dead. What were they thinking? Honestly, I think they were doing something dirty, but once they realized I was going to get a survey, they had no choice to produce it. I think they were trying to take advantage of the whole um, cash deal and that a, a, a title company wasn't going to go over and, and do their due diligence. And for them to have the survey... And, you know, the seller not to disclose it, and even more so if the agent knew it not disclose it, he should lose his license, he or she should lose their license because you you have to. Anything that's detrimental to the sale, you have to disclose. You have to disclose that. Well, Chris, can't we buy, I mean, and I, I haven't had to do this for years, but he, I used to be able to buy like a uh, certificate that warrants the boundaries and the the survey and so they actually, your title company would send somebody out to verify the boundary lines and then they would insure it for you to say, yes, this is correct. Yeah. And so you can, I think you can, I'm, maybe that's changed now, but. Well, no, you can. It's a plat drawing. And what they do is, I mean, once they look at it, if they think it's off, then they might say, hey, we, we think this is off. We're not going to insure it. Then at that point, you got to have a survey in which to be able to do it. Well, these people right. already had a survey. You know, um, so they're not going to just insure it and, hey, yeah, the house is over. Oh, I bought it. You're going to take it. They actually do their due diligence to make sure that it's the case. And, and if they were to find out later on, um, you know, that they were duped, I'm sure. I mean, the title company's got a ton of money to be able to go after a seller like that. It's just stupid. Deal with it now. It's, it's an encroachment on someone else's property. I mean, and. I mean, at some point, you might even have to freaking chop that house off to be able to put it back on your property. Well, it was, you know, I've had numerous times where this has happened where on acreage properties where um, the the boundary lines are established on the plat and everybody thinks they know where they are. And the old farmer used to mow right here and then they this. and But there might have been an agreement where he says, oh, yeah, you and the trees can park your tractors or your, your old vehicles, no problem, even though I own it. And they forget that and then they sell it. And then all of a sudden you go out there and you you do a survey and you see, my God, look at all these cars that are on the back of the property here going down the property. This is an exact problem I had. There was all these cars parked on the property. And then on top of that, there was all these branches on another property. Another property had a shed on it. So uh, part of a garage. So you look at all of those different challenges and we'd go back to the, the sellers. I'm like, hey, you sell this house with this problem. You have to disclose it, number one. But number two, it'd really be nice to have you clean this mess up before you sell your house because that new buyer coming in doesn't want to start their new relationship with the neighbor with a fight. And so a lot of times as a buyer's agent, you want to verify that stuff because make sure you can see, um, unless it's a clear cut city lot and everybody's happy with it, nobody cares. But yeah. when you start questioning, like, is that my woods? Usually it is. Um, like if it looks, you know, cause farmers used to plant stuff very specifically, you know, or, or they mow a certain way. And long story short, you, you can get those issues resolved before closing. If they choose not to, that's, you know, then there's a whole nother battle on your hands there. But, um, you know. Another issue with what our real estate market was, there's no way you could put any clause in there that a survey needed to be done. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. You have to almost hope that the plat drawing or alert them, hey, mm -hmm. we got to make sure this is right. It doesn't look, it doesn't look right. That the title company is going to require it. And now it becomes I a title issue. And, and required for the seller to be able to solve that or you can get out of the deal. We, we had one of my sellers and I'll try to be as vague as I can so we don't get anybody in trouble here where the sheriff was involved and the sheriff said, here's the deal. Um, they've got 28 days to get that stuff off your property or you can do whatever you want with it. And here's the process and here's the whatever. So of course, 28 days goes by nothing's been moved. And so what my client did was rented a Bobcat and took all of the branches and dumped them in their yard. Literally pushed all the branches, lifted, and dumped it right onto their grass. And of course, they call the cops, the cops are there, the whole thing's happening. This guy's like, listen, I warned you 28 days ago to get your property, your debris off my property. And there was also a shed there. 
He put the bobcat right to the back of the shed, pushed it clearly right across the property line, backed up, and then put up a fence, posted the property, says do not trespass every 10 feet. <laughs> Got it done. And uh, in, in the sheriff sat there saying, yeah, keep your stuff off his property. And these people were so appalled, like, we've been doing this for, you know, 11 years and we've lived here and nobody said anything. And he's like, it doesn't matter. It's not your property. So, you know, people were arguing implied easements and all these other things. But it you have to have knowing the person has to know you're doing it for what is it, 15 years, Chris? Open adverse, adverse possession. Yeah. Adverse possession. Yeah. And yeah. so and then you have to be willing to pay the taxes on it and do everything else. So if you're using it and, you know, but anyway, that's a whole other show topic. Yeah. You're not kidding. That would be a good one, actually. Okay, hey, I'm going to share my screen of a Reddit thread about the craziest, dumbest HOAs they've uh, encountered that I want you guys to talk about what you've seen. So give me one second. For everyone out there that doesn't, that's, that's homeowners associations. Okay. So you guys read this? Oh, they can't have blue trampoline covers. They got to be green or black. Must be oh my uh, gosh. one of the natural elements or something. There's a lot of, just so you know, there's um, a lot more around the United States. There's a bunch of associations that are a lot more strict than what we have here in Minnesota. And a lot of them are, like, we're, we're used to, like, townhomes having all the association rules. But there's bigger communities, like in other places that, have some really interesting things, gated communities and all that. Okay, from the neighborhood I grew up in, you couldn't have an air conditioner that hung outside of your window. So it couldn't have uh, window AC, not a big deal. Well, the guy came up with the rule, who came up with the rule had a swamp cooler hanging out of his window. <laughs> what? So he could have an AC, so he put a swamp cooler. So there's all the, there's always those kinds, Andy, that'll fight the rules and 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 play with it for sure. Well, I'm gonna guess that was a townhouse development, and that that is a rule. A lot of townhouse developments, because they want everybody to have central AC, so they don't have a bunch of units hanging out of the buildings. But not in a single family home development. I've never yeah. come across that one. Here's one that they want a ten dollar fee for overnight guests, with an extra five dollars if the person has to use their parking. Uh, I don't I don't know why they would yeah. do that, but maybe make sure to read the rules before you move in, right, guys? Yeah, exactly. It could be a real rule, it could be enforceable too. Neighborhood only gets two garage sales per year. The neighborhood, okay. And there is a dress code for certain neighborhood activities. So that means that if there's any garage sale, birthday party at the park, swimming pool guests and residents have to adhere to a certain attire. So if for garage sales, you have to wear polos and khaki. <laughs> You can't share uh, towels at the swimming pool. Everyone's got to bring their own. Um, must remove any holiday decorations after three days. I, that's that's pretty common. They want that stuff off. Can't use a different colored light bulb unless instructed by the HOA. So that's more than likely just outside. And then uh, uh, just saying how it, it advertises uh, uh, how they do it. But, yeah, it, it's kind of funny. How about around here, Andy? Do you see any? You got any weird ones that you've seen? Uh, you know, I, I'm i going to guess these are townhouse developments because like with lighting and whatever, most cities um, have rules with, you know, holiday lights and whatever and wattages and whatever, but nobody ever exceeds them. So nobody ever complains and probably gets turned in. But on a housing development, like a townhouse development, I've seen where they say, okay, during the holidays, you can only have, you know, green bases on the trees and red up in the tops. And, you know, they want the development to look uniform if you choose to put up, you know, your holiday lights. Um, I've seen that. I, I haven't seen where somebody tells you, you know, that specific, like changing the light bulbs on the front of your house to a different color. Like I actually, I do that during the, the holiday season too, where I'll do green and red bulbs. It's kind of cool. Lights up my porch. And then we have a fill up snowman that fills up and it lights them, you know, kind of, it's cool. Well, I think it's cool. Maybe it's stupid, but I think it's cool. I've seen a lot where people in homeowners associations, you don't want to, you know, they all look the same if you're in a townhouse association and most houses look the same. But what happens is you, if you um, do your door in a different color to kind of give yourself your own personality, you know, they can stop that dead in the tracks. It might be 
um, you know, like I wanted, I remember my town, my first house that I bought, it was a uh, all brown and everyone had like tan doors and I made mine red. And I thought it was so cool and it looked great. And boom, within a day, I got a notice that I had to change that back. In a, and I was like, what? I wanted to kind of try to just make it my own. And I always wanted a red door. And uh, my first place, I mean, after a week, I was already in trouble uh, in there. So it was. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Though. That's why you hear that term Rooney red. That That's why. That's right. Patriotic red. That's every Friday. But I think with, you know, what people are trying to do with the homeowner association, what happens with that is that they're trying to keep the value of all the homes the same in that they don't want other people in which to be able to hurt it. So bringing in campers and changing your front door and putting, you know, pink and blue and purple light bulbs out front, it just doesn't, it's not cohesive and they just don't allow it. And it's really to protect your investment. Well, and the, and the other one was with that guests have to pay a fee. Um, that's so that you don't have multi-tenants, you know, like where all of a sudden there's, you know, um, three couples living in one townhouse and they all have, you know, cars in the driveway and cars in the parking spaces. And it's really not zoned for that. So I understand that too. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's, it's something that I think most people won't enforce until they have to. And they write those laws for the one, you know, person that, that broke the rules and made everybody miserable and had the the old ugly RV parked outside of his place and there was a guy living in it for six months and they couldn't get him to move and the rules didn't say he couldn't be there. So then they had to write a rule saying it's a $10 a day fine and then they could enforce that and lean your... The, the funny part about associations though, at least in Minnesota, I don't know about everywhere else, but they have the same status as a first mortgage position on your on your deed. So they can enforce those uh, rules and, and let's say you don't pay your association dues and you don't pay your fines and it, it stacks up and you have an interest clause in there. We had one in a neighborhood that we were selling a house in where the association dues had never been paid in 13 years and they collected all their dues plus interest or they would not clear the title. Yeah. Well, so the association got paid. It was a big windfall. It was over $14,000 by the time the thing got paid in full. And, you know, so you think you're getting away with it, but you, you really should be careful. Buyer beware. Um, what is it? Caveat emptor or whatever it is. When you're, when you're coming into an association controlled environment, just read the rules, make sure you're cool with it. That's why they give you a 10 day right of rescission. And then if you're good with it, move in and enjoy it and live within the rules, the comfort of the rules. But if you don't like rules, don't move in. Right. Yeah. You got to read those rules because they, they could, it's the little things that annoy you and then it turns into other things. I just had one, actually one I'm going to list and it was almost like overly posted that this is for guest parking because what we're, they were doing is people were using extra little parking spaces. And, you know, so if, rather than park in my own driveway overnight, I'd go park in the guest area. And so they were, it was getting abused. And so they said, they put signs everywhere. It's guest area only. I mean, there's, there's a reason we have people come over that want to visit and then they leave. You can't just keep your park in your car. So if you have that third car and you couldn't get it in the garage, you know, your kids constantly parking over there. They don't do it. Well, you know, and that's that's a big problem. I mean, when you look at townhouses and people are buying townhouses, uh, parking space is a premium, especially if they don't, you know, want cars in the driveways. And then you can't park on the actual street because it says no parking. And then there's three parking spots for four units. And if everybody on that holiday evening wants to have people over and you have nowhere for anybody to park, what a drag. I mean, you know, so. All right. Are we? Are we still going? I, we're past our time. Look at this. But existing home sales fell in April to the lowest level since the start of the pandemic. Markets are changing. And I think it's a just a it's just a little pause for some people uh, right now. And I think kind of getting a feel for what's happening. I mean, with gas prices going crazy and food going out of this world and everything taking so long to get and inventory low. It's just I think it's just a little they let me breathe for a second. And We'll we'll continue on because Andy was right on when he said um, this is totally different than what happened in 2008. I don't think it's you know you can read this article and and there's a lot of different ways you can spin this and this is what I want the the listeners to understand. News can be spun a, a bunch of different ways and you look at the last segment on there. It also said that the house is appreciated 14 percent and sold at record high prices. Right there, line number paragraph number three. 
You know, tight supply kept home prices higher despite interest rates. The median price of existing homes sold in April was 391, the highest on record, and it increased 14.8% from a year ago. But it's also less volume. It, we got a supply and demand game, guys, going on right now, and there's just no supply. So those that are trying to buy are paying a premium still, and that'll keep your, your house value safe um, for now. And I think that your your uh, investments are, are still okay. And I, and I still think housing is still a great investment for that purpose. And not only is it an investment, it's a place to live and make your own. You got to remember right. that. You know, that's, a, that's a nice side effect, right? You yeah. buy it as an investment, but you get to live there too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't live on your stocks. Maybe. True. Dividends. But you can hold your Bitcoins. Oh, wait, you can't do that either. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Awesome. Hey, another great episode. Make sure to leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify. You can now too. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We post three digestible clips on our Facebook and YouTube channel. Have a wonderful day and uh, ciao. See you guys. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.